I started a series last week, Faith, uh, Failing Faith, and I, I, I'm having fun with it. I got to tell you, I'm having a lot of fun with it because it's, I started off last week showing you some things that we thought we knew, but we turns out we didn't. Uh, it, it was, it was, it was fun. Uh, how many, I got a question for you. This is one of those simple ones. Everybody knows this answer. And so I'm not sure if it quite fits, but who knows the, the who knows this group right here? Yeah. <laughs> Every, uh, those, those of you are Baptists, like I'm not admitting it. I'm not allowed to. <laughs> you came up back. I didn't, I didn't listen to them. Yeah, you did. You liars. Uh, you just didn't. <laughs> so queen Freddie Mercury singing the song. We are the champions. Yes. You know, the song, the song, who, who, who knows how that song ends? Come on, we all know how it ends. You ready? You got, here we go. For we are the champions, my friend. Dun, 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 dun. And we'll keep on fighting till the end. Dun, 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 dun. Come on. Cause we are the champions. We are the champions. No time for losers. Cause we are the champions. Nope. <laughs> I walked you right into that. It is so much fun because um, I knew the answer. That uh, doesn't end that way. Any recording, go look it up. Go look it up. No recording Queen ever made ends with of the world. Uh, yeah, I'm messing with you, aren't I? It's, it's so funny because we've sang it that way so many times and there's reasons and there's this thing called the Mandela effect. And this is one of the things they use as evidence that we all think we know things. The Mandela effect comes from the guy named Mandela, uh, Nelson Mandela. Uh, he was, he, we now know him as the uh, president of South Africa who changed everything about that. There's the apartheid that was going on and he changed that dynamics. But it was weird because a bunch of people, millions of people in the, uh, in the 2013 thought that he had died in 1991. In fact, there is a, a textbook in South America, South Africa, I'm sorry, that says that he died in 1991. Millions of people remember him, uh, Tom Brokaw, coming on the night, evening news and doing a eulogy for Nelson Mandela in 1991. The problem was he actually became president in 1993. And all these people are like, wait, how did he die in 2013? That he was, he's been dead in prison. He died in prison. Millions of people, even to this day, some people think that he died in prison. And he, he didn't. He died in 2013 as a retired president of South Africa. And so it, it's like this weird thing. We think we know something, and it turns out we didn't know it like we thought we knew it. There's a uh, the classic movie. Here's one for you. I used a couple last week classic movies. Here's one for you. Classic movie, The Matrix. That's not a classic? Come on. That's a classic. It's a classic movie. Okay, for me, it's a classic movie. And, and, and here it is. They, uh, the, you, how many remember the scene, this scene right here, where there's the red pill and the blue pill? And Orpheus is introducing Theo, and he's saying, hey, uh, um, he, Neo, Neo. <laughs> he says, uh, hey, uh, you, you got to make a decision. There's a famous line in there uh, that has turned into like a meme, and I love the meme. It, it, we think that the, the, um, the, the line goes like this. It says, if, what if I told you that everything you be, uh, know to be true is a lie? That's what, that's what, and then there's a meme, bunch of memes. And like, I, I found a, some funny ones. Here's one. Uh, <laughs> what if I told you just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're good. And just because, just because you're an atheist doesn't mean you're smart. 
I like that one. See, anytime something's funny, it's because it's true. There's always some truth in it. That's why, like, it's funny when somebody says, you're bald. Uh, it's because <laughs> it's true. So <laughs> if you think it's funny when somebody says a fat joke, it, just saying, just saying. Oh, <laughs> I'm joking. It's a little lag. I can like a tomato about whiz my head there. Uh, here's another one I found. What if I told you that you don't need to wait until the new year's to make positive change in your life? And there's another one. I didn't have it. It said, uh, what if I told you that you can go to the gym and not take a picture of it? <laughs> AC connect group 360. Um, <laughs> Those that are laughing know that it's true. Uh, <laughs> uh, but what if I told you, this is one of my favorite for my kids, I told you so. Yeah, uh, what if I told you? I told you so. Here's one. Uh, what if I told you this is a, not actually a line in the movie? I, I did it for your sake. For your sake, I went back and watched the movie again. It was research purposes. I went back and watched The Matrix for you. I did that for you. That's the kind of sacrifices I do for you. And I can tell you for a fact that the line, what if I told you, does not exist in the movie. It messes with you, doesn't it? When you think you knew something so well. And so many of us thought we knew that line that was definitely in there. It had to be in there. I remember it. We got memes that are based upon it. But it's nowhere in the movie. See, we get to a place where we think we know something so well. But in fact, we, we don't know it like we thought we knew it. And, and the bottom line and the whole purpose of this series is that if you learn something wrong you will live it wrong if you learn something wrong you will live it wrong and 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 we've done this with our relationship with 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 god we've we've created this place where we have uh gotten some beliefs and thought we knew things and when it turns out that we didn't know them nearly as well as we thought we did in Matthew chapter 14 is where we're going to spend some time. In Matthew chapter 14, you can get your Bible out, whether it's an old-fashioned one with pages and paper and, and words. Uh, uh, you can go there, chapter 14, verse 1. Uh, well, uh, let's go to chapter... Let me go where I'm going to spend some time because it turns out I preached a message uh, in our Oh Ship series. <laughs> yeah, it was a fun series. Only because I got to say Oh Ship a lot. Yeah, you got it. Uh, <laughs> uh, and we, in that series, I did a message on this scripture. It, it, I based off this scripture in Matthew chapter 14, verse 31. It says, Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? Now, the context here of this scripture, and I'm going to dig a little bit deeper in a moment, is that Pete, uh, Jesus is walking on the water. Peter sees him, uh, the, the apostles see him. Peter says, if it's really you, tell me to come out to you. Peter jumps out of the boat and walks on water, begins to sink. Jesus pulls him out as reaches down for him. And he says to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And the question I hit me this week was, as I was like studying, hey, we're talking about failing faith. So where's a place where there's little faith or failing faith? Here it is, little faith. Why in the world did Jesus tell Peter, the only one that got out of the boat, you have little faith, but doesn't say anything to the boys that sat their rear ends in the boat? Like, why, why did he only chastise? Shouldn't he have gotten in the boat and be like, he has little faith, but you guys got none. What's up? Like, that, that would be like the logical conclusion, right? But he doesn't do it. And then I started digging in and, and, and in the book of Mark. 
uh, we don't know exactly who Mark was. We do know this about Mark. He was given eyewitness accounts, primarily one of them being Peter. Peter was giving his accounts of it. And in Peter's account of this same story, he doesn't include this. Why? Why would he not... It's gone. Why would he not include that part about walking on water? And why would Jesus chastise him for having little faith? Well, I preached a message. I have to correct myself. And I'm going to do so in just a moment. Now, now some of you are like, what? like literally, 928, go back. Uh, here's the beautiful thing. The recording does not exist. Uh, we messed up the audio and video didn't, so it's good. I don't have to delete it. <laughs> but if you go back in your notes, I preached a message on the scripture and I said something along the lines of, you need to step out into your calling, which you do. But this scripture was a terrible illustration of that. And it's always fun to get up in front of everybody and say, I'm wrong. Uh, but that's the whole meaning of authentic church. If we're going to be authentic, we have to say there's a chance I could be wrong. But I want to grow. So when I'm wrong, reveal it to me. Help me to grow. So here we're going. We're going to grow. So if I'm going to ask that of you, I'm going to do it myself. Here we go. Let's get into some. What's the most important thing when you're reading scripture is what? You guys are a bunch of geniuses. Like, it's, it's amazing how smart you guys are. So in, in this scripture, so let's go back to Matthew chapter 14. Let's begin at the verse 1 of chapter 14. And it says, When Herod Antipas, the ruler of Galilee, heard about Jesus, he said to his advisors, This must be John the Baptist raised from the dead. That is why he can do so, much, so many miracles. Now here's where we're going. In 14, Jesus finds out right after this that Herod Antipas has de- beheaded his cousin, John the Baptist. Now, Herod Antipas is uh, the son of Herod uh, that was the one who, when Jesus was born, went back and killed all the, uh, the uh, ba- baby boys in Bethlehem trying to get rid of Jesus. Like, that's a demented dude. This guy is as bad, if not worse. Herod Antipas, at this point in the story, the reason John the Baptist got his head taken off was because his, he had his stepdaughter come in and dance in front of a, 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 in front of a party and seductively. It's very clear that this was a seductive dance. And they, he was so pleased with it that he goes, any, half the kingdom, up to half the kingdom, you can ask for anything, it's yours. Now, you know a couple things. Number one, the boy was drunk because that's a stupid, like, he gives you half the kingdom. Who makes that kind of deal for a, for a lap dance? I mean, come on. (laughs) Jesus help me. Um, I'm just being real. I'm just being real. Okay. Here he is. He, he, he gives half the keys up up to the kingdom, but she's being used as the pawn in by her mother who, cause John the Baptist was saying, you can't marry her. That's your husband. That's your brother's wife. It's a messed up story. Read the Bible. You don't need to watch any of the reality TV. Okay, uh, so he he gets that, he says uh, so she wants to kill John the Baptist. So she does this dance. Half the kingdom is yours. She goes. All I want is John's head on a platter. And Herod Antipas goes gets John out of prison, cuts his head off, brings it literally on a platter, and gives it to uh, to the to the, his stepdaughter. And Jesus finds out that his cousin the forerunner, the one who leapt in his mother's womb when Jesus was in, his, in Mary's womb, had been killed. 
And Jesus says, I need some time away. So he tells his disciples, let's get on a, on a ship and let's go. And there's just something about being on water, isn't there? Like it's just calming, being near water, being around water. That's why we're all like right now just need a vacation because Ohio is messing with our minds. Okay, is it spring or is it not? Figure it out, okay? Uh, <laughs> and he, so here he's, uh, he goes, he says, I just need some time away. They get on the boat, they're heading out, and here they are going along the, the sea of Gal- along the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus looks to the shore and he can see a multitude following his boat. And they're fought, here they are, they're following along. And Jesus goes, take this boat ashore. I've got to minister to these people. In Mark chapter 6, the same account, it says that he began to heal them. In Matthew, it says he began to teach them. Uh, he, so he's teaching them. He's doing miracles. And it gets a little long on, long-winded here. And so at this point, let me show you on a map where they're at. On a map there, here's the thing with the Sea of Galilee. I, one of, like, context, context, context is so important uh, when you are reading. So you need to know where it is in context to the word. But also another thing we do terrible thing about, especially as pastors teaching, is giving you a geographical reference, context to what's happening. And so I'm going to do a little teaching, if you don't mind. Then I'll do some preaching. So I guess I'm doing some preaching this morning. Uh, <laughs> come on, have fun. Uh, <laughs> So here he is, he's in, uh, they are, here's the Sea of Galilee. The idea of the size of the Sea of Galilee is, I always thought it was about the size of Lake Erie. Like, it's a sea, right? That makes sense. That was my mindset. So I went there, and it turns out, the Lake Erie is uh, almost 10,000 square miles. It's a big lake. Uh, sea of Galilee is only 64 square miles. Much, much smaller. Uh, to get an idea, Tappan Lake uh, and Atwood Lake are about four. So it'll be about, uh, you can kind of get your ideas in between those sides. So it's, it's a big lake, but it's, uh, so here they are. They're on the Sea of Galilee. This is where, this is all where it takes place. Majority of Jesus' teaching actually takes place in Galilee, not in Jerusalem. But here he is. Bethsaida is up there. That's, that's where this miracle takes place. Now what's interesting, I'll give you a little context here. Bethsaida is the hometown of Peter, Andrew, and Philip. Okay. Right there in the plains of the sea of, uh, of, the, of Bethsaida is where Jesus is on the boat. He takes it ashore and he does the first uh, of the, uh, the feeding of the multitudes. So he, t- he takes, he says, uh, they go, go ashore. He's doing all these miracles. He's teaching. It gets a long, little long-winded. So I don't want to hear you complaining when we do a 40-minute message, okay? <sighs> yeah. Except for some of you going like, well, you ain't Jesus. Uh, <laughs> so, okay, okay, you win. Uh, the, uh, so here they, he's going long-winded, and the disciples come to say, hey, you need to cut this short because uh, we're out in the middle of nowhere, and the people are going to get are getting hungry, and they've got to travel to get food. Let me show you pictures of what, what this would look like. There, there's a good picture of what the Sea of Galilee actually looks like. So from one side, you can actually see the other shore. So that, that's a good idea. It gives you some concept, uh, perspective of how big it is. Here's another picture. Um, this is the, the plain of Bethsaida, the, that, that spot on the map. And it looks very similar today as it would have then, except for the water would actually been coming in a little bit more. Uh, but that, uh, the uh, plain of Bethsaida is pretty much the way it is then. It's not, there's not a lot of population there today. So if you can imagine, there they are, they're in the plain of Bethsaida, there's no towns close by, and they're saying, hey, you've got to do something about feeding these people. And he says, okay, feed them. And they're like, what? Fresh out of my, my Lunchables, 
Uh, don't have any more, Jesus. You're going to have to figure something out. And so he's no, go find something. And so they go find this little boy. The 12 disciples end up being a bunch of bullies and uh, take, take this kid who brought his long john silver value meal, uh, two fish and five hush puppies. And, and he says, here you go. And they go, Jesus, this is all we've got. And here's some preaching for you, right? All you need to do is bring, bring Jesus all you got. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to have all the talents in the world. Just bring him what you got because Jesus takes five, uh, two fish and five hush puppies and he turns it into enough to feed 5,000 men and left over with 12 baskets. Hmm, come on, somebody. I need an organ because I need to preach. And here he is, he's, he does this miracle, and he's like, oh, they, I mean, can you imagine being there that day? It would have been so much fun to see there, hey, all we got, they walk up, here's the long John's box, and you know, here it is, this is all we got. And Jesus starts taking it and dividing it up, and he's like, here's some fish for you, and here's some hush puppies for you, and here's, turns into an Oprah show, and there's a car for you. And, uh, <laughs> and all, so and all this is left over after it's all said and done, 12 baskets. And then here's where we pick up this story. Jesus then says to him, says to the disciples in uh, chapter, uh, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side. So immediately after this situation took place, it says that he insisted that they go to the other side. Now, why does he need to insist them? Well, let's think about this. Here I am. Let's be Peter. I'm Peter. I got all my people from my hometown are visiting over here in the plain of Bethsaida. It's the closest town. So most of the people there are from Bethsaida, most likely. And all my boys who I grew up with and who, who sold me out and said, he's never going to be anything. He's never going to mount anything more than just following his father's footsteps. He'll never get a rabbi. Are, he's now with the rabbi that's feeding 5,000 men. Mm-hmm. You got... You got you want some tartar sauce with that? Let me hook you up. I got, I got, the, I got the connections. Let me tell you. And here he is. And in this moment, he is basking in the glory of Jesus. I am Peter, his disciple. Uh huh. And Jesus, is like, we're not staying here. I'm insisting you get in the boat because we got another mission to go to. Last week was awesome. It was awesome to have a record crowd. It was great to have 17 people give their lives to Jesus Christ. But we're not resting on what Jesus did. We got to go to see what Jesus is going to do. Somebody preach with me. And so he says, I'm insisting that you stop basking in what has taken place and move on to what God is wanting to do. I've got something I need you to see. And so he goes, get in the boat. I'm insisting, get in the boat and go to the other side. And here's, here's what happens. He says, he goes to the other side. And they, um, as they're on the other side, it says that the boat, that the, they found themselves in trouble. Go to that next verse there. Oh, oh I'm sorry, 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 sorry. I, I'm almost missed your note. Come on. This is what you have to understand. You are dispatched on a mission. Jesus sends them ahead on a mission. Grab this. I need you to get this. He says, I, you are dispatched on a mission. I have a place for you to go. Don't wait around for me. I need to go pray. By the way, if Jesus needs to get away and find some time alone to pray, I think we need to follow suit. So he says, I'm going to go pray. You guys go on ahead of me. And so they, they get on ahead. And, and here's what you need to understand. You have a purpose. You have a mission that God has called you to. You. Say me. Turn, turn to your neighbor and say, you. 
you got a mission. Turn to the second neighbor that you don't like as well, and you too. Even you have a mission. <laughs> I always love setting you up for that. You got a, you got a mission. You've got something. God's called you. That's why we're so intent about getting you in Grow Track, and why we've made it so easy that you just get on the app, the Authentic Church app, download the app, and begin the Grow Track process. It will take you less than fifteen minutes to get to the first ten, uh, first part of it. Uh, maybe, maybe half an hour. It, it'll. I'm telling you, it was really quick, really simple. Begin that, begin that process. And then you need to get in a connect group. Get online. On the app is also a list, and on our website is a list of all of our connect groups. Jump in, get in a connect group, because it is not my responsibility to save you. Jesus Christ saves you, but it is our responsibility. Ephesians 4 says it is the purpose, it is my mission, and the pastors and leaders of of this church, not to get you to show up on Sunday, because I hope you learn, but to get connected and to grow during the week. So, so he says, I need you to go. Jesus is passionate on a mission. So then Jesus is up praying on a hill and he see, looks down and he sees them amongst trouble. The verse says it, says it this way. He says, throw that up there. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. Now here, here's again, let me show you a picture of where Jesus may have been at this point. This is again, uh, right near Bethsaida. That's the Sea of Galilee. Looking down into the, uh, the plain of Bethsaida, Jesus is up here. You can tell that he would have been able to look down and see a boat in trouble. And so here he is, he sees the boat that's in trouble and he begins to, I like this part, he says that then he began to walk on the water. So they're in trouble. Jesus looks down and it says, go to the next verse. About, nope, back one. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. Walking on the water. Now make sure I got that highlighted to catch this because Matthew double downs on it. He keeps going. He says, when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a, a ghost. It's a ghost. <laughs> have you like okay have you ever been like scared by something like you, you're walking in some a door and someone's walking out and ah, they startle you who likes to do that like okay dads okay moms and dads this is like a parenting thing like we love to do this and it's so much fun to mess with your kids because you know where they're going you get ahead of them and you get all the everything done and like bow and like ah you're like ah i got you it's like dad card woo Loving it. It's, all, it's so much fun. The problem is, your kids get older. Uh-huh. And, and as, as, okay, let me, let me give you a little framework for my house. So at, at my house, I am, I am the, and I'm the father. I, I, I find myself, I, I'm the man of the house. I want to protect my home. I'm ready. Like, we have security system. We have cameras. I have guns. Mm-hmm. Come messing with my house, bro. <laughs> just, just as last week. I look out the window. Actually, I'm, I'm almost asleep. Jolene wakes me up and she's like, Josh, 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 what's going on? There's sheriffs driving up and down our road with their spotlights on. There's five of them with their big spotlights shining in my backyard. My, like, uh-uh, no, no, but coming in up in my house. So I, I'm like, well, so I, you know, of course I go get the judge. Those of you who don't know what a judge is, it got some power. Okay. Hmm. I'm walking around and no joke. Joins like, I think the basement door is unlocked. So I go down to the basement and I'm straight NCIS in it. Like, 
Like I'm, I'm, I'm on full gear. If I had, if I had SWAT gear, I'd been wearing it. I've been, <laughs> and so here I am. I'm going through the house, and fortunately, nothing. I went down. The door was unlocked. I locked it. I did a double check. You know, I checked all the corners. I, and uh, I had the flashlight on my gun. Uh, you know, I, I've watched enough of that. I know what to do. <laughs> so, so the next morning. And the next morning, I get up, and uh, I, I, I ran out of the house early, and I, was, uh, <laughs> I forgot something, and I'm coming running back into the house. And I run into the door, and my oldest son, who thinks he's funny, had set himself up, and he saw me on the camera running back in the house, and he's hiding behind the door. And I, I didn't know he was there, and I was in a hurry. I open up the door, and he goes, Blah! And I went, Wah! <laughs> And I did the whole, like, pretend like it didn't bother me. I was like, you didn't get me. You didn't get me. And he's like, I got you. And I'm like, you got grounded. Uh, so. <laughs> what you going to do about that? <clears throat> so, but see, here's, here's what's funny about that situation. Is that I, got a, I was afraid of someone I shouldn't be afraid of. If I had just taken the time to know who was there... It wouldn't have been at all scary. Right? Here, they're not ready for it. And they're walking across, and it says they're fearful. They're afraid. And they say, it's a ghost. Now, here's where this story begins to get some meat. Because in this, Matthew points out very clearly that Jesus is walking on the water. And in this, he's making sure that you understand something. He's going back to what these Jewish boys on this boat understood. They knew that when the Messiah came, that he was going to fill the messianic prophecies in the Old Testament. One like Job chapter 9 verse 8 that says, he alone marches on the waves. <laughs> Come on, let's do some little preaching here. So when we are finding ourselves in trouble and the waves are beating against our lives and we find ourselves in a situation where we didn't think we can do anything, here's Jesus marching on the waves. See, Jesus is marching in your trouble. There's nothing in your life that you can go, oh, Jesus, you can't, I can't do this. I can, I'm never, he's going to go, I already got it. There's nothing that can surround you that he doesn't already have surrounded. And here we, he is, Walked, walking on the troubles. He's fulfilling jo- uh, Job 9.8. Isaiah 4.16 uh, says he, the Messiah, was going to be making a way upon the waters. This is what he was, he was fulfilling, all this messianic stuff. And, and here's what's interesting. In Mark 6, the same account, Mark points out that Jesus was going to pass by. Now, in, in first reading, you're like, yeah, he's going to pass by. Here he is. Scroll on. What's up, boys? Messing with it. He wasn't messing with them. He was showing them something. He was showing them in Mark chapter 6. It's clearly referencing back to Exodus chapter 33, 19, where Moses was put to the side and God said, I'm going to pass by you. It's parallel. The words are the same. He's going, I need you guys to notice something. I am divine. What that's always doing. He said, Jesus is, is demonstrating his divinity. He is demonstrating to them, I am the Messiah. And not only does he demonstrate to them, they're afraid. He says to them, take courage, I am here. The words there, I am here, comes from the Septuagint. He is quoting directly from, the Septuagint was the Greek translation before Jesus. 
that would translate the Hebrew to Greek. So here they are. They're reading. He quotes from the Septuagint this passage and literally says, I am. Exodus chapter 3. Moses says, how am I going to tell them who you are? And God says, just tell them, I am. I am the great I am. I am. I am. Jesus doesn't just say, I'm here. He says, I am. He not only demonstrates that he's divine, he also declares his divinity. <laughs> this, is, this is powerful because you've got to understand this. So G- something happens at the turn. When John the Baptist is killed, something in Jesus' ministry changes. Now he's feeding the 5,000 and demonstrating that he's just like Moses who can feed the multitudes miraculously. Now he's showing them that he is divine by walking on the water and telling them, point blank, I am. And here he is, he's walking on the water, he's telling them that he is divine. And he says, take courage, I am. And then, and then it, this is where it gets really weird. And where I've learned something I've never seen before. He says, Peter says to him, if it's really you. What's that? Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. This, this blew my mind. You can do a study. This term, this terminology here, if it's really you, is used only four other times, specifically in the Greek. It's a Greek phrase used by Matthew that's only used four other times in the New Testament. One of them is when Jesus is being, the crowd is surrounding him and saying, are you the Messiah? If, if you're really the Messiah, show us plainly. Same words. They're questioning his divinity. Another time that he uh, is, is questioned is when uh, the high priest has put him on trial. And the high priest says, if you're the Messiah, just tell me. The third time is when Jesus is on the cross. And it says, the scoffers looked up to him and said, if you are really the Messiah, then save yourself. You saved everybody else. The fourth one is where it blew my mind. When Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, and he goes into the wilderness, he's tempted by the devil. Satan asked him, if you are really the Messiah, then turn the stone into bread. If you're really the Messiah, then go ahead and jump off the temple. The angels will save you. Every single time that this question comes up, they are point blank questioning challenging Jesus' divinity. Peter is challenging Jesus' divinity. He's asking them, he's asking point blank, are you the Messiah? Now, then he says to them, tell me to come out onto the water. Now, this this phrase is, is interesting because he doesn't say, if you're the Messiah, tell us to come out. He says, tell me. Now, why would it be me? Because they're having arguments over and over and over again, all the way up until the crucifixion, of who is the greatest among them. And Peter is in that argument, and he's going, oh, this is my chance. If it's really you, tell me to come out there and let me show you what I can do. He takes the focus off Jesus declaring his divinity and puts the focus on him. He's so focused on me, 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 that he doesn't see the divinity divinity of Jesus Christ. He turns the focus on him and says, I want to make it about me. I want you to see what's going on. And it's, it's, if you re- it's really hard to see 
Jesus when all I'm thinking about is me. Now here's where we begin to see something change. He says, uh, he says, call me to something else. Now, I, I, this is where I kind of was like, I've used this illustration to say he wants to get out of the boat and go into something difficult. The problem is the boat is what's being troubled. He's saying, I want to leave what's making it difficult for me. My calling, what you've already called me to do. You've sent me on a mission. You put me on a purpose. Now I want to leave that to step out and to be with Jesus. Now, who wouldn't want that? I've got a ministry and a calling. You've put me on a path. That you, I, I, it is hard, it's difficult, it's time consuming, it's, it's costing me something, I've got a sacrifice, and I would rather leave that and go walk on the water with my boy Jesus. See, so many times we get mixed up that our calling should be easy. When Jesus is going, sometimes where you're going is going to be difficult. But I already promised you, I sent you on the mission, you're going to get to the other side. Just stay in the boat. He says, tell me to come out. He boxes Jesus in. Does he have another option here? And what is interesting is Jesus says, yes, come. Like, what, Jesus, why would you do that? Why would you say, yes, come, when you know it's not what he's supposed to be doing? He's going to sink. He's going to fail. Why would you let him fail? Those of you that are parents, get it. Can I please? 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 No. Can I please? Can I please? Can I please? No. Can I please? Can I please? Yes. If it'll get you to shut up, do it. Let's watch it fall on your face. In fact, the Greek tense here is a tense of frustration. Okay, Peter. Think you can do it? Come on out. Come on out. There he goes. He jumps out of the boat. Begins to walk on water. And it says that he began to walk on water, but when he saw the wind and the waves, he began to sink. See, in this moment, Peter is questioning the divinity of Jesus. If it's you, then you're going to do this for me. If it's really you, you're going to make it easy for me. If it's really you, everything's going to go the way I want it to go jumps out, begins to walk on the water, and sinks. See, in this moment that he begins to sink, the only thing he does is Peter confirms his humanity. I'm a man, and I'm not meant to walk on water. I'm a man, I'm not designed to walk on the water. Peter confirms his humanity. See, here's, somebody needs to hear this this morning. I don't know who it is, but you need to hear this. You think you're sinking and that you've, you've proven to everybody that you're not going to be able to make it. All you've done is proven that you are a human being. You've messed up. Guess what? The man who spoke on the day of Pentecost to proclaim the gospel to the world was the one who was sinking. All he did was confirm his humanity. When you find yourself in a position of sinking, just realize, I need God. And what does Peter do? He says the shortest prayer in the Bible, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. In that moment, he confirmed his humanity and now confesses 
Jesus's divinity. Lord, you're the only one who can save me. Lord, you're the only one that can do this. You're, you're the only one who can, who can get me out of this situation. I am sinking. Lord, save me. <laughs> I love this, that the next verse, next, very next thing, Lord, save me. Immediately, <laughs> Jesus reached out and grabbed him. See, it's a good thing I'm not Jesus. Because number one, if I had the ability to walk on water, I would abuse it. I'd be out on Tappan Lake messing with people. <laughs> the other thing is, I'd see Peter. And I'd be like, blub, 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 can't hear you. What? Can't, what blub, 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 blub. I told you so. Instead, Jesus shows all his mercy and all his grace and immediately grabs him. Immediately. Immediately grace and mercy is given to Peter, the one who just a minute ago was questioning whether he was even the divine, now reaches down and saves him. I I love this because the verse continues on. It says that when he reached out, he looks at him and says, you have little faith. Now, I went back and looked at this in the Greek, and I, I, I I, I can't... This is, this is for me. This is from Josh. This isn't where anybody, I don't have anybody to back me up on this. But in the Greek here, it says little faith. Not you have little faith. Just little faith. And I, in my gut, I want to say that the fact that he looks at Peter and says you have little faith is saying that your faith is in the wrong thing. You have little faith because you put it in something little, yourself. You want great faith, you've got to put it in something great. And I am the great I am. In fact, when he says, why did you doubt? The word doubt there in the Greek means to have divided lordship. I, 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 was, I was having faith in me, but wanting to follow Jesus. It doesn't work that way. See, this is what we do all the time. This is, we try to make it on me. I've got faith in me. That's why we create lists of things that we have to do to be good Christians. We try to make it into a list of things. If I do these things, then I'll be good. And the problem is, it's not about you and putting faith in what you do. The faith is only what Jesus can do. See, faith in the little things, me or those around you, if you think for one second... That you putting faith in your spouse is going to get you anywhere, you're wrong. It's not anything against your spouse. It's just they're not big enough. They can't even carry themselves, let alone you. If you think that you can put your faith in your career, I'm sorry. You can't. Your faith in faith in your career is too little. There is only one thing that is great enough. The great I am. I am. I am. Here's what's beautiful about this. He picks up Peter. And what does he do? He doesn't throw him to the land. He puts him back into his calling. Back in the boat. Peter. Says it says. Then they climb back into the boat. Put him back to where he was supposed to be. If you're here this morning. And you've been frustrated. And you've gotten yourself discouraged. You've gotten off track. You feel like you're sinking. Lord save me. And let Jesus put you back into your calling. He hasn't given up on you. Don't give up on you. Lord, save me. Puts him back in the boat. And look what happens. The wind stopped. The, the, then the disciples 
worshipped him and said, you really are, for the very first time in the Gospels, you can find this, you are really the son of God. See, in that moment where Peter was questioning Jesus' divinity, he not only confirmed it for himself, he confirmed it for everyone else. See, when you put yourself in a position says, I'm following after you, putting my faith in you, I'm putting your, my faith in something bigger, it will not only confirm it for you, it will confirm it for those around you. So here, here's, here's what I want to pray. This prayer, this message was more for me than it might have been for you, but here's what I've been praying since I've been walking through this, is that, Jesus, I need to put my faith, all of it, in you. Not divided, because it's so easy to put it on me if I just work harder, if I just do better, if I just, God, I, I just need to put my face completely in you. Don't let me leave my calling. Don't let me get distracted by something that looks prettier and shinier. Let me stay focused on you. You're here this morning. This is your opportunity to put that, those three simple words into effect. Lord, save me. For some of you, you're like Peter. You've been following Jesus, but today's the day you realize he's the Lord of your life. For some of you, this is your, you've never heard this message and you're like, yes, I need this. I need a savior. Lord, save me. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, help me to follow after you. Help me to worship you and to give you the place that you deserve. So today I surrender. I turn to you and I give you my life. I'm going to follow after you. I repent. You are my Lord. In Jesus' name.